Come on, what's up, everybody? Good to see you. Good afternoon. Hopefully you're rested here. Come on, this third service. We are coming off, man, just a great, great sun, or Saturday. Uh, we had our back-to-school bash yesterday. That was amazing. And uh, 250 kids getting backpacks, school supplies, and uh, we had nearly 75 people that gave their hearts to Jesus yesterday, everybody, down in our inner city. Come on. We can do better than that. To God be the glory. Amen. So awesome. That's what it's all about. And so... Uh, just phenomenal, so proud of our team, our serve team just absolutely crushed it, and so thankful for each and every person who served, and your guys' generosity that helps pave the way and make things like that available uh, for us to be able to get to do and to be a blessing, and we had some other partners with us, but man, what a great, great day it was yesterday, and to see those kids' faces, uh, man, just light up was absolutely precious, and I know one of the favorite parts of my day yesterday, and so uh, we just, uh, I tell you what, just uh, different needs and different stories that we, uh, many of us heard, and opportunities to minister and to pray with different ones. I came across um, uh, a grandmother who came up right before she left, and uh, she had four grandkids that she's taking care of by herself. Why don't you think about that for a minute? And, um, and so did that by herself, and she just came up and just said, uh, thank you. She said, I, I cannot tell you, uh, she said, how much this has helped uh, us and, and my four grandkids. And, and, uh, and so it's, it's stories like that, everybody, that make it worth it. Amen. And just also seeing people saved and reached. And uh, uh, we had a, another woman that was down there whose son was just uh, shot uh, right here in Fort Wayne seven different times. And so just uh, asking for prayer and believing. How many know we just need God to move? Amen. And so uh, we have just a quick snapshot of yesterday that I'd love for you to check out. Come on, let's give God one more hand for what happened yesterday, man. So proud of everybody. And uh, hey, also want to let you know, today starts off our 21 days of prayer. And uh, this is uh, honestly one of our favorite times that we get to do this. And we do this uh, in the month of August, really just kind of recalibrating us. And we're getting ready to go into the fall season. And uh, the fall season for our church is, uh, is historically our greatest growth time. And so, but also, honestly, it's another opportunity for us just, again, just uh, refocusing. And so it uh, starts today. I want to let you know a couple things. One, uh, on your way out today, some of our team will be out there in the hallway and uh, handing out and having just prayer guides available. Maybe prayer is uh, something that you know of, maybe haven't been taught uh, much, but uh, there's information here and also fasting that you can get from our team. And then wristbands as well that say pray first. And so if you want that, the, our team will be handing these out in the hallway. And so 
those will be available to you. And then uh, starting on Wednesday, this week and Saturday, we have uh, prayer times, uh, what we're calling prayer rallies at uh, every Wednesday over the next three weeks, uh, 7 o'clock right here at the church, 7 to 8, starts on time, ends on time, all right? And then uh, Saturday morning at 10 a.m., and so we'll end right at 11. And those are opportunities uh, for us to focus in and corporately just praying together. And I'll kind of just tell you very quickly what that looks like on those prayer times, those these prayer rallies is um, when you come in, they'll be just the acoustic style worship, uh, which is something that I enjoy a lot, and then a short, just five, ten, ten minute kind of teaching devotion to really just get us uh, focused on prayer. And there'll be different prayer directives we'll have and things that we can pray for. But uh, honestly, we spend a lot of that time in individual prayer. And it's an opportunity that I think prayer is really more caught than it is taught. And so I just encourage you, if you have been struggling maybe in the area of prayer or, you know, or maybe you're not, but you have a passion, obviously, in the place of prayer, I'm telling you, it's one of the, my, my favorite environments to be in. And we actually do prayer every uh, Sunday morning at 8 a.m. We always start with prayer. We take it, we take just with all of our teams that are here, we just have time of prayer. And so just want to encourage you to be a part of that. So again, starts this Wednesday, and, uh, and we're just looking forward to what God's going to do in this time of prayer. And how many know we're in a time... Uh, within our nation, uh, right here in our city, that, man, we need prayer. And, man, we've got to be a praying church. And I was so, man, just saddened to see what happened in El Paso, Texas, yesterday, and woke up this morning and saw the news of what happened overnight. Uh, and not too far from us in Dayton, Ohio, I've got friends both in Dayton and El Paso, churches that we're in relationship with, and just we're praying over them. So this morning in our prayer time, we just prayed over both those cities and those churches, and ultimately the people who lost loved ones or loved ones that are fighting for their life right now. And, and so um, I just want to encourage us, let's be a church that not only prays, but let's be a church that's active in our steps as well in Jesus' name. Somebody once said, the only way for evil to prosper is for good people to do nothing. And so we've got to make sure that we're praying, come on somebody, but we're also taking action to our steps. Can you shout a good amen today? All right, so it's important that we are a church that's moving and uh, that we've got steps to our words. I want to uh, start off this new series today, and I'm excited for it. It's called Passion. Everybody shout Passion. And uh, this is something I've never, I've never done a series on this, but this is a word that's been stirring in my heart, honestly, for the last few months that I've been excited to get to. And so I want to start off in Romans chapter 12. We're going to read this in two different versions, uh, the NIV first. And it says this, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. And that word zeal just means intense enthusiasm, but keep. Everybody say, but keep. In other words, if, if, if it's something we need to keep, it has the potential to be lost, right? And so God is really placing a demand on us to, to focus in on what he's saying here. We need to keep your spiritual fervor, all right, serving the Lord. That word fervor is where we get the word fever from. That means hot, all right, that we stay hot for God, stay passionate for God. And then in the Passion Translation, it says it this way, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him. I like that, boiling hot. And here's the deal, we've got to stay passionate because we have the, the tendency with passion is it can fade or it can begin to leak if we're not careful. How many know what I'm talking about? And so we have to stay passionate and God's in a place that he wants us to, to live a very passionate life for him. And, and, and you know, in our society, we can be passionate about a lot of things and it's good to have different passions, but man, the, the passion and the source of our life has got to be Christ. It's in, interesting to me what Webster said, how Webster defined passion. And, uh, and again, knowing this is a, a secular definition, I thought this was actually uh, 
pretty rad, all right? Check this out. It literally means strong and barely controllable emotion. And when I read it, I thought, okay, that's cool. But then the other part of the definition of passion, it says the suffering and death of Jesus. Somebody shout, that's passion. And so here's what that showed me is that the, the origin of passion, guess what? And, and living a passionate life is in Jesus Christ and him alone. That that's our fuel and that's where we get our passion from. And he's the source of everything that we need and he's the source of our passion in our life. And so, you know, the Bible says it's the kingdom of God that suffers violence, but it's the violent that take it by force. Shout passion. Come on. Amen. And so guess what passion doesn't have anything to do with? It doesn't have anything to do with your personality. A lot of people would say, well, man, I'm an introverted kind of person, all that sort of thing. And that may be true, but but that has nothing to do with your personality. Think about the opposite of what passion would be. The opposite of passion would be apathy, lazy, uh, just indifference, or another word would be complacency. And the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 32, that it's the complacency of fools that will destroy them. In other words, that complacency is destructive and it has the and, and, and it destroys the potential in the lives of people. Complacency uh, destroys opportunities. It kind of carries an attitude about it in the sense of I just don't care. I'm just going to kind of do my life my way and the way I want. Uh, just this attitude of indifference. Complacency destroys relationships. Uh, complacency destroys marriages. It destroys friendships. How many know relationships? Relationships takes work. W-O-R-K. Amen? All right, so it takes work. And so uh, complacency also uh, makes an impact and really mess up your spiritual walk. And uh, it doesn't happen overnight. I think, I think you start getting to a place. Uh, it's really a daily decision. And that you become apathetic, you become lazy, and you really come to a place that you stop caring. I think one of the most dangerous places to live is in a place where there's no conviction in your life anymore. It's a dangerous place to live where you live in a place that, man, we just stop caring about what's going on. And we just kind of do us and forget about the rest of the world. And, and so God's called us to, to live in a place of, of passion. And I love what God said in the word. He, he used this example with Paul and Timothy. Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, you have to learn how to fan the flame inside of you. In other words, you have to learn how to stir up, man, the passion and the fire of God. Because guess what? Church is great on Sunday. Small groups great during the week. And trust me, we need both those in our life. But how many know you better have a passionate life with God, man, if you're going to live strong and, and be able to see the call of God. Advanced in your life in Jesus' name, all right. And so it's going to take passion. And so uh, we're in that place that I believe this that I know again our culture is passionate about a lot of things. Speech, speaking of which, on Amazon.com, it's interesting. Just I was looking, you know, just came across uh, things that people are passionate about, like top books uh, of passion. Just kind of put in passion. Here's some funny things that were that came up like in order. Uh, first was uh, people have uh, passion for birds, all right, passion for birds. Here's a surprising number two that I came across, uh, a passion for cacti. Come on, somebody. Uh, a little passion for some cactuses, all right. All right, anybody got any passion for cactuses? Probably not. All right, passion for golf, all right, passion for hunting. And then here's, here's one I think everybody enjoys, passion for chocolate. Come on, good books out there. And, and then, yeah, the other one's passion for bread. I don't, I don't understand that one at all. Give me the chocolate over the bread. Come on, somebody. Amen? And so, but in our culture, you can be passionate, again, for just about anything. But if you get passionate about Jesus, 
it's interesting how people will begin to say, well, that's a little too much. You're kind of towing the line. That's, uh, and, and, you know, it's kind of a little too much. And you probably shouldn't be as passionate about those things. And it's not politically correct when you stand up for things that, that you believe in as well and the things of God. And so here's what I've just come to do on this Sunday, uh, first Sunday in August. And that is stir you up in Jesus' name with greater passion. Come on, somebody. Amen. To see passion come back for his word. Passion for prayer. Come on, passion for worship in Jesus' name, that your life would be a life of passion. You know, when I preach God's word, I, I come across hopefully with passion. I get excited about God and just his word. Why? Because I know what he's done in me. I've known, I've seen my life and how he's been faithful. I've seen how God's moved in other people's lives. And I don't know how you cannot get passionate about what you believe in with God. Come on. Amen, everybody. And so we want to see the level of passion raised uh, within our life and, and not have this kind of attitude that I'm too, too cool for school or too cool for worship. You know what I'm saying? And he's not just the big man upstairs. I mean, know what I'm talking about, all right? That we live in a life that we're passionate about who he is and, uh, and that we make the, the, the decision that we're going to set aside our indifference. We're going to set aside the, maybe the apathy, the laziness that tries to, to creep up. And we've got to be careful with that. And man, can I just say, get a little crazy for Jesus sometimes. Come on, somebody. Get a little zealous for Jesus. Are you with me? All right. And, and I think it's interesting that when you study scripture, you'll find three different things, that three areas that we need to get passionate for God about. And I put this in your notes. The first one is, is that we are to love God passionately. God wants a passionate, thriving relationship, all right? Then we're to serve God passionately. And then we are to worship God passionately. And so I want to talk to you today specifically about the first one, about how do we love God, man, passionately. Here's what I know as I've journeyed this life out that, man, there's the ups and downs in lives. There's mountaintops. There's valley seasons. And if you're not careful, man, that that apathy can creep in. As I said, it's not just an overnight thing. But God wants us in a place, man, that he sees us living it out with full passion. And it's something about people that are passionate. You know, I, I remember having even passionate coaches when I was in sports and being under some passionate preachers that had great vision. I, I don't know, it was just something about that that attracted me. And I thought, man, I want to be a part of that. Yeah, I, I want to I be on his team, you know. And uh, how many can think about people or relationships in your life that are passionate, amen. And hopefully those are people that fuel you, all right, and help it to encourage you. And so I want us to look at this scripture in Matthew 22. And it says this, that hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. Something I want you to know is both these groups are very religious groups. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. was testing Jesus and said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, it's interesting, and I want to just point this out real quick, just because part of it is kind of good theology, but is that the, this story is told in, in the other Gospels a little bit differently. But in Mark's Gospel, uh, he has Jesus quoting what's actually called the Shema prayer. And what's cool about this is that this is actually the first prayer that uh, the Jewish people learn, and they still pray it to this day. And they begin by saying, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then they go and declare that the next part of this verse, and that is, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. That this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, the New Testament is, I want to show you something about this. The New Testament hadn't even been written yet. 
and this is the importance of this scripture that I want to just get across to us very quickly to say this, that Jesus, in other words, is boiling everything down in scripture to two things, that he wants us to love God with everything within us and to love people as we would love ourselves. So he wants us to love God and to love people real well. And Jesus said it this way. He said, and the world will know that you are my followers, that you are my disciples by the way that you love each other. Listen, love is a choice and love is an action. We demonstrated love in a powerful way yesterday, didn't we, in our inner city? By showing the love of God and being a part of that. And you know, I think one of the things that was so cool yesterday is seeing people who have never been a part of outreaches like that. And just, man, hearing their heart and their stories of how God used them. And that's how God wants us to live. He wants us to live passionately and find ways to reach needs and to fill them in Jesus' name. And so uh, the, the foundation for everything that we are and everything that we do is hinged on those two uh, references in Scripture of loving God and loving people. And so, and I, I would say it this way, loving God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, as the Bible says, are the ingredients, I think, in living a very passionate life for the things of God. And notice in that scripture that God said, I want you to love me with all of your heart. Everybody say, all of your heart. Yes. Notice God didn't say some of your heart. He said all of your heart because some is the enemy of all. And, and it'll keep you from God's fullness. It'll really just kind of inoculate us from pursuing all that God has for us. I'll never forget going um, just uh, through the years and traveling overseas and preaching in some of the third world countries. Uh, one of my trips that I was going to Africa, I remember having to call the doctor and get all my shots. I had like six shots I had to get in a day. Yeah, how many said, man, sign me up for that? That sounds like fun. Thank God for shots, all right? And so I remember getting in there, and uh, I went through the five shots, and, uh, and then the nurse came in with him on the last one uh, when she was in there, but they kind of went around me and said, hey, we just want to let you know on this last shot, you're going to feel this one. And I thought, okay, this, that, I mean, this sounds great, all right? And they said, this is the yellow fever shot, so you're going to be injected, obviously, and the needle, and I saw it was longer than the other one, so I thought, praise God, man, thanks for just talking me through this. Just give me the shot, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't need to entertain this in my mind of how this is going to play out. Like, all you had to do was just afterwards just tell me. And so he gives me the shot, and, and uh, man, he wasn't kidding. I mean, I, my arm was throbbing, and I felt a little, you know, funny for a few hours. And, and it's interesting to me, and the reason why I, I bring up that, that reference, because uh, it's, it, I feel like that's how sometimes, if we're not careful, we can do that in our spiritual walk with Christ. The pastor, what do you mean? That some of us, we get, you know, think about it. When we get injections, they give us a little bit of that disease. Think about it. You get a flu shot, you get a little bit of the flu. That's part of the injection. That yellow fever shot, guess what they gave me? A little bit of the yellow fever. It's wild, isn't it? Pretty, pretty, pretty wild to think that that's what happens. And, and so here we are in that place, and, and, and again, this can happen in our spiritual walk, that some of us, it's like, man, getting a little bit is, is, is okay, and it really, and what that does is it, is it keeps us from embracing all that God has. And so a little bit on Sundays is good, but man, I, I'm cool the rest of the week. A little bit maybe in a small group is good, but can I just tell you, man, God, again, wants to be our God every day of the week, not just on a Sunday or even in a small group, but he wants us to live passionately through the rest of the week. Come on, somebody. Amen? And so, uh, and, 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 and I would say this, too, that uh, that little bit, and, and, and we compromise so much, and I think God's people leaves out some of the greatest benefits than what God has is because we don't go all in with him. And we, have, we serve a God that, man, that, has, that wants to blow our minds if we'll allow him to. 
you were here last week, I talked uh, to us about being a people of action and believing that God can do anything. And I don't want to limit my God. There's signs and wonders and miracles that my God is still doing today that can still happen today. And I'm believing for God to do it in my family and other people that I know in our church. Come on, somebody, that he can do anything. And so uh, we've got to be stirred up in the faith to know that and remind ourselves that God can. And he wants to do this. So Jesus wants all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. So if we're going to live passionately, here's the first thing I want to just give us today. is It's having the attitude of, of saying in the heart that I want what God wants. I don't, I don't want to just cut a deal. I want what God wants. That if we're going to love God passionately, that we have to go all the way with him. And honestly, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road. The Bible talks about this word sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. All right, sanctification just literally means that, that we're growing in our godliness, that we're becoming more and more like Jesus. And true sanctification takes place in our heart. And what happens oftentimes is there's this wrestling match. Maybe you've ever had a wrestling match with God between his will and yours. And, and there's those moments that I've had that with God as well. And, and how many know it's nice when everything just lines up? Everything's good, right? Everything lines up. It's good when things line up and things aren't hard. But, but how many know when, when I want what is different than what God wants, it can be very difficult. <laughs> and, and or what God wants is, is what I don't want. All right? And so it can be difficult. So let me just encourage you to this. The struggle that you may be facing today or the issue that you may be facing today, listen to me, means this, that you're alive. It means that you are trying to pursue God. And don't let the devil try to rob you or try to tell you that your issue or your struggle or your addiction is going to be who you are the rest of your life. I just believe that we've got to commit and surrender to God fully in Jesus' name. And guess what? If there are bondages in our life, strongholds in our life, to believe that God can break those things in Jesus' name. And I'm just telling you, God wants freedom. Freedom is for everybody. And we need to understand that God wants freedom for our life. I remember being in the bondage of pornography. I remember being in that lifestyle. And man, it just honestly, it sucked the life out of me. And I, re I remember getting into a place where the devil had me convinced that God was mad at me, that people were, if I, if I ever tried to tell anybody, that people would, would, would shame me. I remember just working through that struggle because it was difficult and it was hard. And it was taking me further and further away from God. Can I just tell you, we have to continue to have the heart of understanding that God's word is God's word. And he's gotta, it's got to be your standard for life. That it's not just a good suggestion. It's not just a good book. right? It's, 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 our, it's our roadmap for our life. In the midst of a, of a society and a culture that continues to compromise, we've got to hold on to the word of God and let it guide the course of our life. And so I realized, man, how much this was damaging me until finally I got to a place of desperation where God met me in my apartment all by myself and I cried out. And can I just tell you this, that my freedom didn't come overnight. That it was a process of walking it out and seeing God bring freedom to my life. And being honest with God and being honest with the right people to help me. Because guess what? We need people and we can't do this by ourselves. We are in danger if we're doing this thing by ourselves. That's not just good preaching, it's a fact. All right? And so we've got to continue to understand that we need God. But here's the thing. The devil will try to convince you and I that when we mess up, well, the, the struggle is going to be your life story and, and all this jazz. And Paul was in a place that he was struggling. 
he was in a great place of great conflict as well, where if you read in your Bibles in Romans chapter 7 that he talked about this struggle, I encourage you to go read it in chapter 8, where he said, man, the thing that I love is the thing I don't do. The thing that I hate is the thing that I do. And he kind of gets in this conversation. It's like, Paul, you okay, man? Seems a little, little crazy moment here for him. And, and, but then he recognizes, man, the awesomeness of his God and the love and the grace of his God in, in chapter 8 and verse 1 of Romans. And he said, man, God said, so now the case is closed, that there remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. And so he realized that even in the midst of my struggle that God still loves me, God is still for me, but God loves me enough to not want me to stay where I'm at, that he has freedom for my life. Come on. Amen, everybody. And so it's, I, I just encourage you today, your struggle, your storm, your issue, guess what? It doesn't have to define you. And you've got to make the decision that you're just not going to stay there. You know, I was, I was last night, as I was praying just over service and preparing, I had one of my pastor friends reach out, and it was a group text, and um, reached out to me and a few other pastors. And in there, he was just incredibly honest and raw with us. And he just said, man, I'm ready to quit, guys. I'm ready to throw in the towel. And he said, and I don't know what to do, but I'm reaching out because I know you guys love me and I know you pray for me. And I was very careful about my response back to him because I love this man with everything within me. He has been a dear friend for a long time. And, and so I really thought about my response. And I first of all told him how much I loved him and how much courage it takes to get honest, which is huge. But I said, the other thing that you need to know that it's okay to feel what you're feeling. It's okay to have feelings of wanting to give up. The key is, I said, man, not living there. So my heart wasn't, I'm not trying to preach at him, but I wanted to just talk with him for a minute. And I said, man, we just can't live there. But you're human, you're gonna have human thoughts. You're gonna have real thoughts sometimes. It's not always gonna be spiritual, all right? There's a reality, all right, that we need to understand that we're still human. And I just was trying to say, man, you're going through pain. You're going through literal hell right now in your life. But here's what I know. I know that God is here. I know that I'm here. If you need to vent, if you need to cry, that you need to know that you can do that. And that this doesn't have to take you out in Jesus' name, but that God can restore you. And I'm just telling you today, whatever it is that you're facing, if there's a stronghold in your life, you need to understand it's the heart of God to see you come out of that. But get honest with God and get honest with people because I'm telling you, the heart of God wants to rescue us. And he's got an amazing rescue plan for us in Jesus' name. Amen? And so the Bible says this in Proverbs 4.23, and this is huge. Because your heart is an indicator of what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're experiencing. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. In other words, you have to post a guard around your heart. And your heart determines, listen, you have to post a guard of, 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 of things that, guess what, that you need to protect from coming in. But also there's some things that uh, need to come out. And, and there's things that, you know, within our heart as well that, that need to stay. The godliness of who our, our relationship is with the Lord. But I'll, I'll, let me say it this way. You have to fight for your heart. You have to fight for your heart. And you've got to fight. And you've got to be careful of putting junk in your life. Because what you put in, baby, is going to come out. And you've got to make decisions that you're going to hold to the line of conviction and the standards of God. That I'm not going to compromise and allow sin to be my friend in my life. But I'm going to allow God and his word to lead me and guide me into all truth in Jesus' name. Why? Because I want what he wants, not what I want. 
Amen, pastor. All right? Number two is this, is, is that I feel what God feels. And we have to be very careful with feelings and emotions because your feelings and your emotions will lie to you. It'll lead you astray. How many know you feel a lot different in the morning than you do at night? I feel different, all right? And so, and let me say it this way, that some of you need to give yourself permission. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Some of you need to give yourself permission to feel again. Because for some of us, either we've been told or we've told ourselves that, man, I can't express this. No, tears, no, ain't going to do none of that. I'm just going to, and so what happens is, is we become unhealthy because we internalize it all. And we're not talking to God about it now. We're not talking to people about it and getting the help that we need in our life. And so some people, man, it's interesting, on the other side of things, are so expressive at a football game, at a basketball game, at a concert. And, and then it's like, man, we get to church and it's just like we just get all serious. Mm. And we get all stoic. I don't understand it. You know, I, I don't get it all. Sometimes, somehow we have been taught to keep the joy outside of the church. That's a lie of the devil, man. I remember growing up in church, true story. My mama will tell you, I had multiple conversations back in the day when I was in church. I said, I said Mom, why are, why are Christians so mad all the time? I said, if, if they're so mad, like, why are they coming to church mad and leaving mad? Like, I just don't get it, grouchy. Like, ushers are grouchy. It's like 20 questions every time I try to go to the bathroom. It's like, it's just looking for a problem. Like, mean mugging and just like, are you, I mean, is life that bad? You know? And I'm thinking, you in church. Church shouldn't be, listen, it's not meant to be endured. It's meant to be enjoyed. We just dreamed of a church, man, where people are actually excited to come to church on Sunday, lift up the banner of who Jesus is, and celebrate. All right, I got half the room with me now. It's a little better. We're working hard on you 12 o'clock folks today, all right? And, man, I just remember that. I just think, man, we just ought to be a people, and the church ought to be a place that you enjoy being at. So thankful for our, our team, our dream teamers, who, who welcome people the way they do and love people the way they do when they come in and the way, you know, our, our team just serves people. And can I just tell you, Jesus is our greatest example of passion. He's our greatest example, guess what, of expressing emotion. I don't know if you've ever seen this side of Jesus, but I want to show you a side of Jesus that maybe some of you have never seen. And you need to see the side of Jesus, our Savior, who expressed emotion. And that's why I'm saying for some of us, we need to give ourselves permission to feel again. And be okay with that and allow God to help us within that, all right. And because here's the thing, we read throughout the Gospels. In the life and ministry of Jesus where he expressed himself a lot within his emotion. And I want you to see this because I think this is powerful. The first one's here in Matthew 9. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Everybody shout compassion. compassion. The root of compassion is passion. All right. He loved people because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. If we're going to continue to reach people, we must be compassionate. We can't shoot our wounded when they're down or kick them when they're down. But we have, man, we reach out to them and we help pick them back up and love them. Guess what? There's no judgment here. No, listen, a no stones environment is what I've always used to say. We're not throwing stones at people because guess what? We all got our mess in our life. We all got stuff we're working towards that we need God's help and his salvation and grace in. Amen, everybody? But guess what? People are messy. The person next to you, they messy. Don't nudge them too hard, all right? But they, they messy, but you messy too. 
All right? There's still diapers that God is cleaning up with all of us. That's true. And then the next story here in the book of Mark, Jesus, this is kind of a, this is kind of crazy. Like, and just imagine, I, I was thinking about this when I was reading this verse this week. Just imagine. So here Jesus is in a church setting, and it's the Sabbath. So in the Sabbath, under the religious law, you could not pray for people, couldn't heal. I mean, lay hands and believe for people to be healed. You couldn't uh, pray for needs, serve people, all those things. And here the Savior of the world is sitting in the midst of all that religiosity. Check out what Jesus did. There was a man that came up, and, and he was next to that had a shriveled hand that God wanted to give him a miracle. And so in the midst of all the religious leaders, the religious laws, I love, this is one of my favorite expressions of emotion that I see out of Jesus. He looked around at them, all those religious folks. Look at this, in anger. Everybody say, he was mad. <laughs> he was mad. He was mad. Now a lot of people, you need to, we need to set the record straight on this. Anger is not a sin. All right, the Bible says it this way, just don't sin when you are angry. So he was mad. He was anger. He had anger going on, and then he was deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. I'm just saying this today. Some of us need to get a little angry again. So, Pastor, what do you mean? Whoa. We need to get a little bit angry about some of the things that are going on within our life. And quit being passive about it and start getting passionate again about the things of God and raising the level of that passion in order to continue to pursue the call of God in our life. I am preaching better than you're a man in today, that's for sure, all right? And so, listen, God's calling us to rise us up. And I'm just telling you, passion is what God is wanting to fuel us. Because here's where some of us are at. Some of us are in a place that we're passionate. Man, we're living this thing out and it's great and, and, and that's awesome. You need to continue that. Then there's some of us, we need to get refueled with passion. At somewhere along the line, we begin to take another road of just apathy and laziness. And who we once were, maybe we were once that worshiper, putting our hands together and lifting. And all of a sudden, hands are in the pocket, and we're just coming instead of, man, just entering into what God has. And I just encourage you today, man, this is not under any condemnation, but to really evaluate your heart and your life. And if you've had a sense of losing that passion, let today be the day that God reignites a fire in your life again. Come on, somebody. Amen? And so, you know, there's just some people, man, I just, I wonder, like, do you have a pulse? Are you breathing? Everybody shout passion. passion. Luke's story, this next scripture, all the disciples are coming back after a ministry trip. I love this. So they're coming, home, coming back from a ministry trip, and Jesus is there. They're waiting on them to come back. The Bible says that that Jesus rejoiced. He was exuberant. That means, exuberant means intensely enthusiastic in the Holy Spirit. In other words, he was so excited. He was high-fiving his boys, giving them some fist bumps. He said, come on, y'all. What's up, man? Glad you guys are here, man. Let's talk about what happened on this ministry trip. Come on, let's go grab us a burrito from Chipotle. Come on, somebody. Let's, hey, man, just don't finish it there, boys. Let's get some guac and some chips. Let's go grab some steak at Longhorn. Come on, somebody. I mean, it was that kind of moment, exuberant, that Jesus was excited, high-fiving them, and said, come on, guys, let's talk about what happened. He was excited. Again, just another expression of Jesus. And, man, you know, here's what gets on my nerves sometimes. Is, you ever seen those, like, portraits of Jesus? Like, like Olin Mills style. Let me help you, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Like, hands folded. 
kind of that weird kind of, well, on most of his, it's not even a smile. It's like Jesus is never happy either. But it's like Olin Mills style. And then and there's some I've seen, he's just kind of petting a lamb. And then his face looks extremely malnourished. I thought, my God, that is, you are not depicting my Savior. I don't know whose Savior that is, but it ain't mine. Because when I think of my Jesus, he's a stud, he's powerful, he's strong, he's full of faith, full of power, full of might. Come on, man. And so I'm just telling you, man, John 2, 17, here he was in this moment. And this was an interesting moment because Jesus is coming in. He's overturning all the tables and all the money. And the disciples are thinking, like, he's going in like the church, just ripping up tables. And the disciples are thinking, man, is this what I left to follow? You know? And he's having this moment. I love this. And it says, his disciples remember this prophecy from scriptures, passion for God's house will consume me. And then I love the last part of this, uh, the shortest verse in your Bibles in, in John 11, where Jesus wept. Church, can I just say this? Can I give you permission, listen to me, as a Christian to emote? So what in the world does that mean? Instead of actually sending em emojis, that you actually feel something again. That you feel some emotion. That you let the presence of God move on you in such a way that, man, you don't care about everybody else. All you're focused on is him. And move in your heart so that you can feel again. And that's my prayer for every one of us, man, that we feel what God feels. And so not only do we love God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, but some of us, man, we just want it all in our mind and we don't want to express it in, in those three areas. But the mind is important because the Bible says, so a man thinketh, so is he. What you think about your marriage, what you think about your job, what you think about your kids and so on, man is going to determine so much of who you are. You've gotta, you're going to get your life right, you've got to get your mind right. And so I want to give you the last thing and we're going to pray four thoughts that you've got to burn into your thinking. I'm going to move through these quickly. The first one is this, is knowing that you and I are accepted by God. So let me say this, stop trying to, uh, to earn God's approval. He loves you, and here's the second thing, that he has forgiven you. You need to know that I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Guess what? When God forgives, he remembers our sins no more. Scripture says it this way, that he casts our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. You know what that means? He forgets it. He wipes the slate clean. Aren't you glad that God does that for you and me? That it doesn't hold you and I to our past, but he's constantly focused on our moment and moving forward. I'm so thankful for that love of our God. And so we've got to quit allowing our past to define our future. Constantly in that battle of back and forth, you are forgiven. And let me say it this way. Take it a step further and to know that when you've come into a relationship with God, again, you've been forgiven past, present, future. So here's what some of us need to do. We've got to quit reminding God of something that he's already forgiven us for. Because for some of us, it is your limitation. For some of us, it is a thing that continues to either keep you up or hold you back. Because for some of us think, man, we're not worthy to move forward. It is a lie from the pit of hell. God wants to forgive you. You are accepted. And I'm telling you, and he's got incredible plans for your life. And if you'll commit to the pathway of freedom, I'm telling you, your life can change. 
That's why I love our vision of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference, of taking people on that spiritual journey and getting real freedom into our life and not allowing our yesterdays to control us any longer. Here's the third thing that we've got to just get into our mind and our focus, that God has a purpose for your life. He really does. Regardless, listen, I don't care what your challenges are today. There is nothing too great for God, and it's not going to stop God from moving in your life. He loves you and I way too much. And he's got a plan for your life. And God has a purpose. Think about it this way. God has a call on your life. You need to take this very personally, what I'm getting ready to say. That God has a purpose and a call on your life that only you can fulfill. And you will never be satisfied in this life until you're fulfilling that purpose. You won't. The Christian life will never make sense until you find and discover your purpose. I think in the body of Christ today, we have so many wanderers. We have 87% of Christians in this nation not knowing they're gifting, and they're searching, trying to figure out, well, I think if we can help people, which, oh, by the way, we, we do with Growth Track. By the way, that room is full today of a bunch of people going through Growth Track. Yeah. It's awesome. It's full. And why? Because, and, and we try to do a good job of relaying and helping to understand God's word to take those next steps. And so, and that's what those people are doing. And, man, God wants to live, uh, you to live a life of purpose. But for some of us, we may not know what our call is, but that's our responsibility to help you discover that gift and go learn about growing in that gift. And then I'm telling you, as you serve and that gift begins to ignite, man, there's passion. There's some things that's going to come alive to you, and God's going to speak to your life. And I'm just encouraging you. You know, my job, some, somebody, I've had people say this to me before, and I, it's, 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 it's not a bad thing, it's, it's just it's bad theology. And so, what, what, and, and here's what I've heard people say, well, he's my, my preacher. And, and the truth is, is I'm not your preacher. That, you know, my responsibility to you is to help equip you to go do the work of the ministry. Do you know that I'm part, that my calling is to help be really a tour guide in your life? And we go on this journey together, but then you take what you're getting and you go out and make a difference. Listen, this is not your destination. There is more to your life than what you've seen, but it's you that have to take the steps. And my heart is to see you equipped and to go forward into God's calling and live a life of passion. Amen, everybody? And here's the final thing is that your future is in his hands. Fear is one of the greatest traps of the devil. Satan will try to lie to you, manipulate you, to get you to a place of unbelief. You know, when I watched what was happening in our nation last night and today, you know what I sensed in my spirit as I was watching? I was sensing the enemy trying to continue to get a grip on this nation and injecting it with more fear. But I don't know about you, but my response is, Satan, you will not win this war. You are defeated, and you are under our feet, and God is full of victory and full of power, and he's going to shut the mouth of the devil in Jesus' name. And listen, you may not see it on media, but God is moving in this nation, and I'm telling you that right now, and he's moving in this world regardless of what your physical eyes may be telling you. That's why you have to live a life of passion. Stay tuned into what God is saying, because we're in the last days, and what's the last days? Meaning this, that God is coming back for his church. And I'm telling you, and I'm ready. I'm excited for whenever that day is. And I'm just telling you, we've got to live ready. We've got to live ready every day. But don't let fear hold you back. If you're afraid of failing, you will never step out. Would you just close your eyes right, your, right where you're at today? And I just want to spend ending service this way. Just right where you're at. If you would, just uh, extend your hands just towards heaven, just like this today. 
That's it, that's it. All across this room. If you're here for the first time, say, man, Pastor, what are you doing? I just want you to know, man, this is a sign right now of us lifting our hands and, and, and receiving what God wants and just really declaring that our life is not our own. It's a posture of just ultimate surrender. So God, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would awaken us with passion. That God, for some of us, we need passion back in our hearts and our life. For some of us, we may have gotten cold. We're not praying like we used to pray. We're not worshiping like we used to worship. We're not reading the word like we need to be. God, I pray, let the power of your Holy Spirit quicken us right now in Jesus' name. Give us a hunger for more of God, for more of you. Give us a hunger for your word. Give us a hunger for more prayer. Give us a hunger for worship, God. And do it within us in Jesus' name. And God, we just break the power of the enemy today in the mighty name of Jesus. Let passion come. Declare this today with me out of your mouth. Say this, I am accepted by God. Come on, say it with some real power. I am accepted by God. That's it. I am forgiven. God has a purpose for my life. And my future is in his hands. In Jesus' name. All right, you can put your hands down. Let's just remain in the spirit of prayer. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now in this moment to know him personally. In this room, come on, don't leave this place without knowing and making Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you walked away from God, as I said earlier, and, and maybe you just haven't been living passionately, but you realize, man, I need to recommit my life to him. I'm talking to you too. If that's you, on the count of three, lift up your hand. Forget about who's next to you. It doesn't matter. This is a moment between you and God. Come on, one, two, three, real high. Say, man, that's me. That's me. Awesome. Awesome, guys. Yeah, we got you. All right, you can put your hands down. Proud of you guys. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And just say this after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of my past. Today's a new day for me, a day of great passion. I invite you into my heart, and I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen.